0: Like to say for Devil in the Detail, I've been joined by BBC Sports commentator Matt Newsome, who's going to join me now and talk about the Super League season and the Rugby League season in general, and going to uh, discuss Salford's uh, chances in 2021. Thanks for joining us, Matt. You okay? Absolutely, Paul. Yeah, really,
1: really tough to be invited on. Uh, looking forward to. Having a good old nature about rugby league over the next uh, few
0: minutes or so. Yeah, it seems a long time since the, since the grand final. It was an epic grand final, wasn't it, back in November uh, between Wigan and St. Helens. It's been a, a long, close season. It's coming towards the start of the season now. 26th uh, of March, Salford plays St. Helens. What do you make of um, the, the the 2021 season? Is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to or are you just looking forward to getting back in the uh, in the chair commentating? Absolutely, can't wait to get back in
1: the chair. Um, I think the first couple of weeks after after... A uh, grand final. Uh, there's normally that little sense of sort of relief. You know, the travelling is over. You've kind of sat back, and then you've got your Friday nights and your Thursday night back uh, nights back all of a sudden. And there's a kind of novelty factor in it, but that novelty soon wears off because, uh, yeah, you, you definitely miss the kind of home, um, the kind of the rhythm of the rugby league season, uh, and you know, all kind of bits of interest and bits of news that pop up and the excitement of the games is it's something that I've really missed over the winter period but one thing that has at least kept us sort of ticking over is, uh, is the, the, the stories around rugby league uh, I think over Christmas there was some really good recruitment from uh, a lot of clubs in Super League Salford included uh, so that has kind of wet the, the appetite as well you've got um, the fact that you know we've got friendlies coming up now there's that being that kind of the way things have been going in society with uh, the kind of what looks like an upturn in, in terms of uh, restrictions being lowered as we move towards hopefully getting back to some sort of normality amid the kind of COVID pandemic, uh, the kind of green, the green shoots and the brighter nights all kind of leads towards us coming back to rugby league. So, yeah, definitely really looking forward to the new season. Recruitment has been really good, I think, across the board. I don't think you could you could pick any Super League side and say that they haven't signed at least one player that you would kind of pay to go and watch. So, yeah, really, really enthused by the start of the season. And we finished with an absolute bang, didn't we, as you touched on just a minute ago with that Wigan Saints grand final. If we can make more moments like that, it can only be a good thing with a massive World Cup on the horizon.
0: Yeah, but well, before we talk about Salford, we can look at the, the teams individually. I'll probably start with um, with the Lee Centurions who, who've been promoted. I've been looking at their their sort of recruitment recently and looking at their squad. They've got a really tough start to the season. They play on the opening night when Salford plays St Helens, the, when the, the season kicks off at six o'clock, uh, Wigan and Saint, uh, sorry Wigan and Lee is the, is the game after that. What do you make of Lee's recruitment? I mean, obviously their target is going to be staying up and in, in surviving in Super League, but they've made some 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 interesting signings.
1: Yeah, um, I'm really impressed with a couple of them. Uh, I think they've brought in plenty of experience. Uh, you think of Ben Flower, who's, you know been there, done it internationally and at uh, club level. Uh, you've got another big prop in, in Adam Sidlow. Jamie Ellis in the half as uh, a gifted player. You've got Matthew Russell and Ryan Briley, who are a little bit of X Factor. Two that are really kind of maybe under the radar signings. Blake Wallace, I was a big fan of at Toronto. I always thought he... He had a little bit of X-factor, a little bit off the cuff and, and quite dynamic. And James Bell, who I saw, first saw playing for Scotland, he's been at Toulouse. Uh, just a really good back rower with some good ball skills. He's a bit of a throwback, kind of. Loves to take lines on and you know, really bring other players into play. And, and he's a tough nut as well. So, and Keenan Brand, who went to Warrington from Widnes, where he'd been you know, massively... Uh, exciting prospects. His career maybe is sort of stagnating a bit at Warrington, but uh, a lone move to Lee, where there's a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation about being back in Super League. Yeah, I think that there's plenty to be excited about for them, definitely.
0: Yeah, I think I think the bookmakers are having a difficult job because I know Lee are odds on to get to. For relegation, but in my opinion, I think he's going to be really tough there, and perhaps somebody else who you're not expected could be down there struggling. I mean, I think Wakefield, Trinity, another side we we'll have to look at, they always seem to be a difficult side to beat, particularly, you know, as a Salford supporter, we always tend to struggle there going up to, to Bellevue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chris Chester's been there a while now, another, another really respected coach. How do you see their season going? I think it's interesting for
1: Wakefield because they haven't gone all out, have they, in terms of who they've brought in? It's been uh, a couple of you know, so they've got NS Senior back, um, which is uh, a, a real p- a plus point. The fact that he can't get in at Huddersfield is you know, really surprising, but I think it's, it's a boost for Wakefield because, particularly towards the back end, when it, it started to kind of they started to string a couple of results together to kind of ease their relegation fears. Uh, well obviously there was no relegation but to ease their kind of way away from the bottom end of the table I think Enesini was one of those players that certainly stood out Eddie Batty is a solid signing he, he again was a, a part of their group towards the back end of last season they've lost quite a lot of experience haven't they? Ryan Atkins has gone Danny Buffer with have already sort of left anyway pretty much Danny Kermund uh, he's he's left the building as well Ben Jones Bishop Craig Copchap so there's quite a lot of sort of Senior pros have gone from that side, and their and their marquee signing is Mason Lino, who uh, when he first came through at the Warriors, I was quite excited about him. I thought he was going to be a kind of foil to Sean Johnson. He, he didn't, he maybe, hasn't quite worked out there, and he went to the Knights, and again, he probably didn't uh, quite click, kick on as he'd like to have done. But I think he's the sort of he's the kind of ruffie that clubs pick up that maybe might go under the radar, but. Wait, yeah, big season for Chris Chester. Wakefield. I'm a massive fan of Chris Chester. I think he's a genuinely good guy. I think what he did there for a couple of years and getting them right on the cusp of the playoffs with the with the kind of levels of uh, salary cap that they were spending is really impressive. I really like Chris Chester. I think it's always really key that you know that they try and get their their on field stuff sorted because they are it looks as like though now they're trying to sort the off the field side of things in terms of the new stadium and a stadium and renovating. The stadium so uh, yeah for me Wakefield uh, it's, it's going to be tough it's always tough in Super League but um, I think they've they're just going to have to make sure that they've managed the kind of the loss of all that experience because um, a young side can be very talented but sometimes lack some of those leaders and as long as they've got some of those leaders within the ranks uh, they'll be okay
0: Just moving down the road from Wakefield, Castleford Tigers, I mean, they've signed uh, one of our players from Salford, Nia Levels, who's been fantastic for us. He's joined Castleford Tigers for the 2021 season. Darrell Powell always seems to get the best out of his his players there and done a a remarkable job, hasn't he, over the last couple of seasons. How do you see Castleford's uh, season going this time? On paper, they've got a really good squad. Yeah, I spoke to Paul
1: McShane uh, a couple of days ago, uh, just as a kind of preview for the new season. Uh, and I asked him about the recruitment side of things, you know, whether he felt um, that, you know, he was satisfied with the kind of strength and quality that's come in. And he, he was giving really big raps to everyone. I mean, Naya Levels is proven. Uh, and Naya, Naya Levels is obviously a player that um, Salford, I'm sure, would have looked to have kept hold of in, 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 in another circumstance. Uh, he obviously he's ended up leaving. He's, he's a proven player. Absolutely brilliant. Fullback, genuine quality, rapid pace, uh, and uh, he'll definitely give their backline something. And it's funny because he'll probably be battling it out with another ex-Salford player in Gareth O'Brien, so it'll be quite interesting to see how they go. Paul McShane was really, you know, kind of big raps on him. Uh, So I am Matangi, who's at Huddersfield, and he's come in, and apparently he's, you know, really turning it up. Getting really on on the fitness side of things, he's really sharp. Another ex-Sol player, and Jordan Turner, of course, he's come in, added a little bit of experience. And then Lewis Bienek from Hull, who's got that, he's that kind of to, to be that sort of tyro forward, uh, a little bit of nuggety. They've got some some of their their young forwards that they've got in their side already. Jack O'Neill, for me last year, was probably their standout player, and he only came in towards the back end when injuries really started to bite. But you know when you get those those young forwards we're going to have got a couple in the shape of Morgan Smithies and, uh, and Ollie Partington those young forwards who are, who are like fearless they'll, they'll get stuck in they'll get in people's faces and uh, and show kind of you know, no respect for reputation uh, along with, with kind of Jack O'Neill and Brad Heppy, who really start to impress towards the back end of the last season as well I think Lewis Bionette could be one of those players but again they've lost some, they've lost some quality as well and uh, I think Mike McMeekin he probably will feel that he, he didn't quite take his career on over the last couple of years he's probably set himself a really high standard that he wasn't able to to uh, kind of continue and he's obviously moved on now to Catalan but, and he could be a big loss but I think uh, yeah, in Daryl Powell if anyone can kind of fashion a diamond from, from the roof it's, it's him isn't it so um, you, you'd like to think that Naira Levels is in, in good hands there sorry off the fans
0: yeah, another player that's moved to Catalan Dragons we'll move over to Catalan now and talk about them because they're they're always a side that I feel can challenge, you know Gil Dudson has gone to uh, to Catalan from, from Salford and joined Matt Meakin over there last season I think Catalan played the least amount of games in Super League didn't they but you look at their squad and again they've, they've got quality all over the field haven't they? you've got Sam Tompkins they've got a, a cracking pair of halfbacks as well if they can get things right in Perpignan obviously you know you mentioned touched on the Covid situation before hopefully if they can travel and and, and everyone can play the games and they can play the home away games and the away games and have a a fair crack of the whip Catalan Dragons could be real title contenders
1: yeah definitely Uh, anyone who's been to Strasil Gilbert Brutus uh, one will have probably had a great time uh, and probably also notice that it can get a little bit testy in there, can't it? When things don't don't go well, uh, referees, you know, they might might not be able to understand what what's being shouted at them. Though. I think they can certainly uh, get the gist quite easily. Uh, for me, um, if they don't get Israel Falau back, they can at least uh, look at the fact that Dean has come in from Penrith uh, and for a couple of years. Uh, he was one of the standout centres in the NRL. He's had a couple of injuries and stuff, which is maybe and the, and the kind of uh, rise of Stephen Crichton and people like that at, at Penrith has probably cost him a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're star-packed, aren't they? And when If they get it right, I mean, there's no Remy Casty this year, uh, which is going to be weird, isn't it? Not having him yeah. sort of running around. They've lost a little bit of leadership in that, but... In, I guess in signing someone like Gil, that as you've mentioned, uh, alongside the big boffers, they've got Julian uh, Busquet and Ben Garcia is now the captain. Um, there's, there's, there's plenty of depth there. There's plenty of depth, uh, and you know, X factor of Sam Thompson. And from a selfish point of view, if Sam Thompson has a good season in Catalan and is picked by Sean Wayne for the England squad, that can only benefit us going forward into the World Cup game because. Yeah, a good season for him and hopefully a, a sort of stress-free season for Catalan and they will add something to, to Super League, definitely.
0: Certainly will, certainly will. Looking at the two whole clubs, one's got a new coach... Uh, Hull FC, new coach, I mean there was talk of them uh, getting Ian Watson at one point last season, we'll talk about Huddersfield shortly but Hull FC, Hull Kingston Rovers, they've both been uh, big on their recruitment, Hull FC especially, um, is it, it going to be the season for them? I mean they've sort of flattered to deceive haven't they some seasons and and probably not done as well as they should have done but could this be the time where, where they crack that top four?
1: I think they've definitely got they've definitely got the personnel, haven't they? And and I think Brett Hodgson, uh, you know, he worked. He, he's a fantastic player. Played at the highest levels. so played Origin. Played for Australia. He, uh, he, he's won man of steel in this country. Uh, you know, a fantastic uh, rugby league player. And from from you know, he worked with Dennis Betts a witness, didn't he? He obviously went back over to back to um, West Tigers uh, in Australia and and you know where he won a premiership and. And kind of continue this coaching there. I think he's a really sharp mind. I think I was, I felt sorry for Andy last. I felt like you know he might have been given a crack, but obviously he's turned up, now at Wakefield, hasn't he with uh, Chris Chester. So I think they've got that that uh, appointment right. And he's at least found something new. But yeah, I think I'm really excited by Hull and Brett Hodgson what he can possibly do with that team. Uh, Josh Reynolds has come in. Uh, he's unlike some halves. He's he's quite a, a sort of He's got a really good kicking game, hasn't he? He's not—he's not a sort of half who's necessarily gonna steer you around the pitch. He's, you know, Mark, I think Mark Sneed will take on that role, but mm-hmm. he's—he's he's a good runner. He's definitely a good running uh, half back. He's, hes nuggety. He's a little bit tough as well. He's—you know—there's he, a lot of pressure normally, isn't there, on, on those whole players, those whole halves that, that kind of come in with big reputation. So he's got—you've got Reynolds and Sneed. Uh, Then you've got Ben McNamara who's coming through as well. He's, you know, towards the back end of last year again when teams were having to rotate their squads because of the workload. I thought Ben McNamara came in and played really well. I saw him play at uh, Castleford on a a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday night. He was fantastic. You know, just fearless, like a total lack of um, sort of. He was unfazed by the situation that he was placed in. And I, and I think another big season for Jordan Johnston as well. Who um, Danny Hearn's been such a metronomic um, hooker as he He's, you know he he could play 80 minutes still. But you've got Jordan Johnston now, you know often starting games and and really dominating that look area with. People like Jake Connor outside of him. It's just, yeah, if, if Hall can get it right, it's almost like the ingredients need to go in the right order, or the pieces need to go in the right places. for the in terms of the jigsaw, but you know, in terms of the raw materials, Hall should get it right, shouldn't they? And as you say, Hall Kingston Road I mean they They've done really first year well as well. Um, and I think some of the players that they've signed might not be as well known to to kind of lay people. You know, those who kind of maybe follow the NRL with a sort of uh, less of a sort of forensic eye, but Albert Bette is a beast. <laughs> Ryan Hall is still a powerful winger, still got plenty about him. Corbin Sims uh, has played uh, uh, top level NRL for a good number of years. Now, Brad Takarangi, he's got a bit of utility value. He can play in the centres, he can play in the back row. And then uh, a couple of other. You know, players who maybe looking for first first grade opportunities where they've not had them so far Lewis Johnson from Warrington and then Muz Mustafa who I saw both just uh, a couple of games at Newcastle and then again I saw him playing for Leeds when they put out a really uh, young youthful squad against Catalan and he really impressed me he's got that kind of just bull-nosed we'll take it in no fear yeah, Rovers and and, if, and when you've got Tony Smith in charge, um, I know he's had to make some tough decisions about who sort of stays and who goes at Rovers. So they they have had a little bit of movement over the the last season. But you know, when you've got someone like Tony Smith, the tactical mastermind that he is, and, and players like Sean Kenny Dowell and, and Elliot Mincello, I was really pretty impressed with. They've just been obviously named captain and vice captain at Rovers. I think There's definitely uh, you know whether they're gonna challenge Hulkingston Kingston Rovers is, is a different matter, but I don't think they will be the side that struggled quite so much as they have over the last couple of seasons. They do look as though now they've got a good, a good mix of experience and, and a little bit of youth as well.
0: Yeah, like you say, sometimes it takes a while for a coach to make his stamp on that, and if Tony Smith can make mm. that a stamp, yeah, he's yeah. got all the experience in the world. Uh, staying in Yorkshire, we've got the, uh, the two West Yorkshire sides, Huddersfield we'll talk about first, and then Leeds as well. Huddersfield Giants, I mean... Salford supporters might not want to talk about Huddersfield, but Ian Watson's gone there now. Um, he's making his stamp on things. They seem to be recruiting well. He's brought some of his backroom staff from Salford. There's a, I'd say there's a bit of pressure on Ian Watson now to perform at Huddersfield. Um, what do you make of that situation?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, I, you know, I like Ian Watson. I think the first time I met him as in, in his Salford guys was at um, the Super League launch the first season he took charge, and I think it was at Lee, it was at Lee Centurions, and I remember just, I think he'd been given the job permanently at that point, and just speaking to him then, the clarity in which he spoke with, the kind of ideas that he had, the sort of uh, enthusiasm that he had, uh, I was really impressed with, there was, just a, there was just a complete lack of ego, and a total appreciation of, you know, just trying to set up a really good rugby team, and then after that, speaking to every player that I spoke to about Ian Watson, kind of came up with the same thing: that very thorough, very um, focused, you know, very clear, simple instructions, but you know, saying the right things, the little tweaks that were needed to it to each player's game, and I think we saw that at Salford. But like you say at Salford, he was maybe dealing with a cap that you know was spending well under, you know, unearthing rough diamonds and and trying to kind of forge a team out of, you know, as I think a certain players put it, in the year, in the 2019 season when Salford went to the grand final, it was almost a bit like saying that they were kind of other people's cast-offs and in the nicest possible way. Uh, now he's got a team that he has been building and he's had some decent money to throw at it. And that's not a slight on Salford at all because Salford's been run, as a, brilliantly run as a club uh, in terms of, keeping the books balanced and, and not falling into a trap of, you know, trying to spend money they don't have, will, obviously we'll come to that in a bit. but Huddersfield now, he's, now he, Kent Davey has said, right, here's some here is some money to spend, here is some cap space to use uh, and he's gone out and, and, he's, and he's signed a couple of familiar faces, hasn't he? Josh Jones who didn't really work out for a whole and Luke Yates obviously followed him uh, along the M62 uh, Ricky LaTaylor who he's a free agent after what happened at Toronto uh, and then again at Huddersfield you know, they've got some some classy players of their own so the you know Cruz Leeming uh, who went to Leeds uh, in return you've got um, oh god what's his name didn't they do a swap
0: you've got Ashton, right. Ashton Goulding as well very good Go yeah, Ashton
1: Goulden. that was yeah. the one yeah he I, I was, was the player who went Cruz Leeming went to him.
0: yeah into really a, a, a very that. good full <laughs> the, the halfbacks yeah, yeah, as well. I mean, you look at the halfbacks at Huddersfield. Coggers yeah, come in from the NRL, up. and yeah, Aidan Seas yeah. is already there. So, I mean, Aidan Seas, if you look at the, uh, I think, the, the Man of Steel bet, and I think he's odds-on to win the Man of Steel. So, th- there's potential there, you know, at, at Huddersfield. There really is. And the names you've just reamed off, I think, you know, they could be in for a really big year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris McQueen came in last
1: towards the back end of last season. I was really impressed with him. And the polar bear, Matty English, Uh, I'm a big fan of his, uh, you know, he's kind of another one of those teeth tough front rowers who'll just uh, cart it in hard and, uh, yeah, take no backward steps, so, yeah, but like you say, definitely pressure on Ian Watson, but one thing you'll, I mean, the conditioning staff that he's taken with him Mm -hmm. uh, to Huddersfield, you saw what a great job they did at Salford, Salford were a team that could hang in till the last, come up with a, a big play, uh, because they were fit, they were sharp right to the end, and uh, if you can get some of that into Huddersfield, then uh, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely correct. They've um, they've got the again they another team with the raw materials, and I know it's, it's it's hard, isn't it, because you're sort of picking up all these teams. Only one of them can win the grand final, but I think it does speak some volumes now for the depth within Super League. That you know you're not looking at this going there's going to be a team on two points with. You know, 10 games played you'd, you'd anticipate that it'll be quite concertina in that middle section and there might just be one, two or three clubs towards the top end that, that maybe pull away but at the same time uh, it, it, I reckon it'll be pretty close I think it'll be pretty close to that
0: yeah in the past I think um, Super League has it's been openly said that it can be sometimes three leagues in one but like a top pack and middle pack and, and sort of teams that were cannon fodder at the bottom but I'm looking at this now and just going off our chat yeah, I'm struggling to think he'll be in that sort of the bottom three because everybody seems to to have strengthened and Leeds Rhinos who will move on to now staying in West Yorkshire I've been particularly impressed with their coach Richard Agar and his manner and the way he goes about things because when he came into Leeds a bit of turmoil there really you know a big club have been in a transition phase and for all the flack that Richard Agar seemed to be getting he seemed to knuckle down, get his head down and broke my heart at Wembley last season beating Solfer in the Challenge Cup but I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for what he's done at Leeds
1: Yeah definitely and I think he is he's a players coach isn't he Uh, he might not have the um, the sort of star appeal that maybe certain fans want from a coach Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Richard Agar uh, did my first Wembley commentary, he was my summariser <laughs> back in 2015. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Richard Agar, and I think he's a really analytical mind. But, you know, but like I say, he's he's not um, like a big Australian import coach. So, when Rovers went for Tim Sheens, you know, you could sit and talk to Tim Sheens all day about Rugby League. Because, and there's that kind of, you know, the whole Balmain Association and that kind of thing. And in the past, Leeds have maybe had some of those bigger name coaches. I mean, but well, I think Richard Agar is a players' coach who, will, who looks to get the best out of his players. Uh, he's not a personality coach, even though I think he's he he's got a great personality. And I think he is the sort of person who gives you good value in, in post-match interviews, etc. But he's, he's a man who speaks in rugby league, isn't he? His dad was a terrific player and, a, and then a, a coach as well. Um, and I think he's just somebody who loves the game, understands the game, wants to make the best out of players. Uh, and actually, at least having given them some stability, and then not just giving them some stability, giving them some silverware, the recruitment has been brilliant. I mean, Jane Cetevano is was a genuine, you know, mouth-drop, open signing. You know, this is a guy who's playing first-grade NRL and wasn't, you know, he's not he wasn't somebody looking you know, to take a payday. He's a guy that... The, you know the, uh, the kind of peak period of his career but alongside that you know the, the Harry, is Harry Newman when he comes back from, from injury he's a class act you've got Ash Hanley he's one of the most prolific try scorers in the league I thought nikolai hg was fantastic last season just like a, a raging bull kind of center, big prop forward and then alongside him Matt Pryor who at first uh, I think there were probably a few league fans who, who wondered who they'd signed but towards the back end of the season that little bit of experience he's not the biggest but he certainly will get stuck in and he, his graft his, his work rate is outstanding so yeah I think um, Richard Agart and Leeds uh, if they can get Luke Gale fit pretty early on uh, and give them that kind of stability and that, that gameplay that, that ball playing from the middle of the park and yeah, they're definitely they're definitely in as one of the the
0: contenders. And big news this week as well, they've signed Kyle Eastman. I didn't realise Kyle Eastman had been in rugby union for ten years. <laughs> I didn't think it had yeah, been that long. Yeah. So, how do you think he's going to go? Because sometimes people say, you know, rugby players come back from rugby league players come back from rugby union. It takes them a while to adapt. They're not always the same player. Kyle Eastman's a quality player. Do you, you think he can, you know, make that adaptation back to rugby league, you know, sooner rather than later?
1: Yeah, I think um I think he will. Um the condition inside is, is obviously the one that will affect him him most, but it's not like he's a prop forward. Uh, I think if you're an outside back you kind of tackle and whilst whilst there is the the rook area in rugby union, is very difficult, you know, he was this sort of elusive player who normally slipped the slipped the net. I think the pace I think the, the getting back ten might take him a little while to get used to, but I think um the amount of kind of running lines uh, and systems and shapes that that are so relatively similar in between the codes. I, th- I don't think he'll have as much of a problem. I think major. I think he'll just be getting into the pace of the game. Uh, 31's definitely not too old. But again, I was a bit surprised, like you, uh, that he was as kind of senior in years as he is. Because yeah, you still think of him as that you know young young book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taking uh, taking defenders on and. You know when he was at St Helens, so um, but I, it's one of those where well, I think because of the cap benefits that you get from re- restoring a a rugby union player, a rugby league player back to league from a spelling union, I think that's probably take some of the risk element out of it. And with Luke Gale, maybe taking his maybe it gives Leeds a chance to sort of say to Luke Gale, look, we're going to make sure you're right, fit and ready, because I guess there are a couple of times at Cass where he tried to come back and he picked up a kind of repeat injuries and things like that. So they'll be wanting to make sure that they keep him uh, kind of in hock until he's, he's well well, good and ready. I guess the one thing you would say about these is whilst they've got uh, some really good young players coming through, there is a sort of more senior crop about them and uh, it'll be interesting to see that, you know, uh, whether they can just, just, obviously the fantastic challenge got run, whether they can, Sustain that across a league season, but I, I, I have no doubts that they will be one of the
0: contenders. To be honest, talking about contenders, before we move on to Salford, we've got the big three St. Helens, Warrington, and Wigan. Um, obviously, they're, they're probably the strongest three sides in the league, you know, for an argument's sake, really. But Wigan, St. Helens, do you see them being the, the, the leaders again, really?
1: Yeah, I think John Bateman coming back. I know it's a bit like a and all your eggs in one basket signing in a way but if, if Sean O'Loughlin's going to walk out the door the one man you want coming back in is someone like John Bateman i um, been doing a, a column for BBC Sport with George Williams and you know, I was just sort of asking him about what can miss missed from not having John Bateman around anymore and he said, one, uh, he just said simply John Bateman makes players, other players better uh, and I think that is the sort of thing that Sean O'Loughlin had about him and I think when you're a club like Wigan and you were sort of seconds away from edging a grand final, you don't really need root and branch surgery. I think the root and branch surgery took place the year before, didn't it? And I think whilst there were sometimes signs that Wigan, you know, they weren't always no perfect, were they? I think um, the, the quality in their ranks, I think now Adrian Lamb has got a system that works have not only now got Devin French, who, for me, uh, I know he, he was—he will probably have spent this off-season thinking about the fact that we should have just dabbed that ball behind, dead, and then we would have gone to Golden Point and maybe it would have been, different, been a different outcome. But if it weren't for Devin French, then Wigan wouldn't have probably been in that grand final anyway. He was so supreme uh, as a performer throughout 2020. Um, and it's just... level of pace quality skill and they've gone and signed another almost like a carbon copy in Jai Field so yeah Wigan for me definitely going to be one of those teams and you know they're always going to be a one man kind of resurgence a man who could create a resurgence for me it would be John Bateman and that's maybe putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders but I just think when he when he left he was now he's almost been taken to a different stratosphere, hasn't he? he dominated the NRL, and I think he'll come back with that kind of extra level of confidence and, you know, having grown and that's almost like another leg sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and Saints, you know, the, again, you, you look to their pack sometimes last season, uh, and having, you know, gained the James Graham and lost the Luke Thompson, you know, you did be looking to Graham and, and Alex Wormsley Now Graham's gone you know if someone signed someone like Ignatius Parsi he's just an absolute beast so yeah the, the, and Dan Norman as well another big boy uh, so yeah you've got to say Saints uh, I think Christian Wolfe It can't be underestimated Why as good a job as he did because taking over from Justin Holbrook was a bit like you know inheriting a, a palace and being asked to make sure it stays a spick and span and that, that is not as easy is it so I think the job he did in bringing them as back to back titles Without, you know, with, with all the pressure of like how good they've been the year before, you know, in a season so convoluted and disrupted and everything, I think uh, Christian Wolf deserves uh, a lot of credit. But again, you know, uh, Joel Thompson, real club man type player that's come in from Manly, uh, he's, you know, he's a class act. But it's, it's where how they all fit into the, the system, I guess. Uh, someone like Don Pay who's gone, uh, who was one of those Mr. Reliables for me. Uh, and I just you know you, 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 you're then saying to Cianna so Mataut and Joel Thompson right you've got to come and do the same thing now you've got to come and be that dependable player because the rest of that side is, is elite class isn't it
0: so. certainly, certainly Warrington as well I mean they've they've got some quality players all over the, the park haven't they we say that every season and uh, you know it's uh, Steve Price is, is last year he moves on at the end of 2021 he'd love to go out with a, with a grand final win
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, and again, Steve Price, another coach who almost a victim of his own success in a way. You know, when they, they win a Challenge Cup, they beat a Saints team that was all-conquering at uh, Wembley, but they just can't get over the line, can they? And uh, when it comes to the big prize, um, I think he, I think he might be more favourably looked upon at, at, at a later time by Warrington fans. Um, but there's no denying that they've they've got class and. And Greg Inglis, um, there's probably fewer signings that have got you off your seat, sort of thing. I, it, uh, the question mark about Greg Inglis is just time, isn't it? I guess mm-hmm. if you take a couple of years out of the game, can you be sharp? But again, I guess the other side of it is he got his body right. So and he would argue and was quite, you know, quite um, happy to talk, you know, about the kind of off-field issues he had. And, and the kind of loss of love of the game and that now he's got that love of the game back. It's he's, he's, you know, gonna be right in the midst of midst of things. So yeah, big big pressure on on Warrington. Obviously Gareth Whitp there was loads of talk about him going down under back down under having spent a year at Warrington, but he's back alongside Blake Austin who um when when those two are on their form and you've got Ratchford out the back and now you'll have Greg in this in the centres and you might even have Matty Ashton coming on off the bench, or whatever. They've got so much weaponry, haven't they, to hurt you? Um, I just, yeah, you're just waiting for them to, to take that next step. And some of the one other player who might have gone under the radar in terms of signings is Rob Mulhern. Now he was on the cusp of an England caller up a couple of seasons back. Uh, he maybe didn't have the best of, of campaigns last year, but. Chris Hill coming towards the back end of his career this is obviously his testimony at the weekend as well Mike Trooper again a, a player who's been got plenty of miles on the clock you uh, look at some of those forwards I, I think well, Rob Mulhern's a really smart son he won't, he's not one who's going to you know, um, get loads of headlines but he will just keep chucking that ball in hard and, and that's, what, that, that's what you're going to get that back division playing of, isn't it they need a good pack to set the tone and from the looks of people like Joe Philbin coming off the bench I love him he's like a little ball of muscle isn't he yeah. and then obviously Rob Mulhern coming in I think they've got some They've got some really good power up front uh, and yeah um, you're right Steve the, the, it's not really easy because you know Saints and Wigan Looks so good as well, and, and as we said, only one team can win it. So, and um, it's not like you get the kind of trends that you know, European places like you might do in, in football to kind of sweeten the sweeten the, the kind of uh, soften the blow. But, um, yeah, Warrington big pressure. They need so they need a trophy, do they, this year for, for Steve Price to really walk away at least vaguely satisfied. And I'm sure he
0: won't be satisfied if it's not the Super League. That's right. Well. Last but not least, Salford. Our listeners will be waiting with bated breath for to hear us talk about Salford. I think one of the one of the nice stories in the close season was um, was a story about Connor Aspie. We we knew Connor had uh, had come through the the ranks at Salford, uh, played really well in a couple of friendlies last season, got his chance, and looked like he drifted away from the game, but was given a a trial by uh, by new coach Richard Marshall. Apparently, he's done really well in that trial. He's now that was now funded by Salford Supporters Trust, which was another great story. Connor's got himself a, a place in the squad this season. What do you make of him? I've seen him play a couple of times, and he looks really, really exciting. I'm, I'm so pleased for him, and so pleased with the supporters' trust story as well.
1: Yeah, I think there was Parkinson um, Rovers towards the back end of last year. I think he played in that game, didn't he? Yeah. Because uh, I covered, I covered that game um, at Warrington, I think it was. And yeah, yeah, I, I was really impressed. And um, clearly, uh, the hooker situation uh, was always going to be. um a little bit of an issue um, just in terms of you know, Joey Lusick moving on so you know no know Joey Lussick uh, that opens up a spot he's a hooker isn't he I'm, I'm getting that yeah, right yeah, right, yeah he's right. spot on yeah yeah, yeah sorry yeah sorry, sorry. you know when you're thinking you're halfway through saying something you're thinking I'm sure he's a hooker no he definitely anyway, yeah, is yep. so having him come in um, just makes a massive difference um, to, to the kind of options available really um, I think it's, have it, it's one of the things that is often levelled at, at some of the clubs outside of the Saints and Wigan is that they don't produce enough of their own players. But when you can say turn around and say, you know, someone like Conor Aspie has come through and been given a chance and has taken that chance, then it's, it's you know it's, it's, it's manna from heaven, isn't it? it? just it just gives other players a chance to sort of say yeah, well, I've got an opportunity now. And, and actually, there's got a couple of options there. I, you know, I understand that Patton played a little bit during the, the pre-season uh, as well. Uh, Danny he has gone in there before for, for both Scotland and Bradford and, and Hull K.R. when he's played there. So there are plenty of options. And obviously Andy Akers as well. So um, loads of depth, loads of depth. Uh, and as you say, someone like Connor Aspie, he just it's like a beacon to all the young players who, who will be in you know, around their kind of salted setup. And thinking, you know, can I can I get can I get a gig here? And the, that success and the work of the trust and squad builder it's just a, yeah, like you say
0: a massive massive boost for the club yeah it seems this time I mean, there's been a lot of change itself and Richard Marshall's come in and I was lucky enough to like yourself to speak to Ian Watson over the over the years in his tenure as coach and I've spoke to Richard Marshall a couple of times He seemed two different guys with two different sort of personalities really and the, the way they look at things and obviously Richard Marshall will get judged as, as results come in and things like that but he seems to be putting his own stamp on things now and looking at the squad supporters seem excited by the squad because it does seem Quite a bit of depth in the squad there. It's the biggest squad we've had for a while. Um, the, the outside backs look, look really good. You know, that's a Dan and mm. Joe Burgess has come in. There's a lot of options, as you mentioned, at that back the that deck pattern who can play in the half. Danny Addy, two Ilola here is there. Kevin Brown's still there as well. So um, they, there's a lot of options there. And Richard Marshall's obviously not going to have a lot of friendly matches to, to pick his best 13. No, quite And uh, during
1: the pre season, spoke to Callum Watkins and um, Elijah Taylor. And Sam Luckley, who, who I know um, you and yourselves at Devil in the Detail have spoken to. So um Callum Watkins, I asked him about Richard Marshall and he just said, Yeah, this this guy is does everything to a T. He said there's very much um, he said he worked with Justin Holbrook at Gold Coast and that there are a lot of similarities between their methods. Uh, that kind of real eye for detail. Elijah Taylor said, um, I can't think what how, how he described it, but it was something along the lines of, you know, my new shine. you know, he will take things down to the nth degree to make sure that he's, you know, co- covering all bases. And I think that, you know, I, the work he did at Halifax, uh, when he asked the players, look, you know, if you take a power, if you take a, a cut now, we can move on, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll try and build. And if we get some success, you will get all that money back. And, uh, the work he did in taking them as far as he did in terms of uh, the, uh, back then, the Super 8s and that kind of thing, just absolutely fantastic. You know, he's a, a, an attention-to-detail guy. Uh, authentic and attention-to-detail was what he said. Uh, so, you know, fa- fantastic coach. Uh, I think a really sharp mind. Paul Rowley's still knocking around, for, from what I understand as well, offering his insight. And, you know, again, like that, he, he talked about that, that kind of back line. I'm just... Devast- it could be devastating, couldn't it? Ken Zio, Callum Watkins, Chris Nimini, Joe Burgess wants he's fit again. Uh, yeah, there's, there's class all over the park, really. And um, it'd be interesting to be solved for now whether, whether Richard Marshall feels pressure, because that's back-to-back major finals now, isn't it? Uh, and he won't have come in to want to kind of keep it on an even keel. He wants to take it on the next level. So, yeah, they've, they've got the personnel. Morgan Escobar has got something to prove as well. Out uh, a full back. Just, uh, yeah, lots of, lots to be excited about, things.
0: I think so, that it, it a yeah, so I think the re, the recruitment was really important because we have lost you know some some big players we spoke about them before. Nia Levels has gone. I think Joey Lusick was a big one for me. And just while I mentioned Joey Lusick, I think my favourite piece of commentary last season was your commentary from the uh, from the Challenge Cup semi-final, of Warrington <laughs> against uh, <laughs> against Salford, when Joey Lusick scooted from uh, from back to, to score that winning try. But uh, yeah, the recruitment has been good, but it needed to be obviously to to replace these players that have gone.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, and and not all of it has has been a kind of drain to other clubs, has it? And if you think of Mark Flanagan, just having that kind of ball playing thirteen at the back, um, you lose a player of that of that quality. He's obviously retired now. Chris Wellham has gone part time, hasn't he, with with Fed Rovers and you know started up his pest control business and stuff like that. So um, yeah, not all of the the kind of drain was you know per, what you would perceive to be moving to a, a club for ambition reasons. I think now you're at a point, Salford, where you can retain players, you can you can add players on your own terms, can't you? And I mean Elijah Taylor who I mentioned there, you know, he's he's a he's a seasoned pro. You know, he played in World Cup finals and things like that, you know. Uh, and the likes of and Roberts bringing them back from, from Huddersfield, that's yet more super league experience. Matthew Costello's a a classy player who he's been unlucky because the sort of depth, the kind of quality of their sort of starting sort of back, you know, sort of outside backs is so high that it's hard to, hard for them to get a game. So, yeah, Salford, like you say, there was that drain of, of players that have moved on. Some I guess Salford would like to have kept, um, but some of it, some of it was kind of unavoidable, really. And um, I think the fact that the you know, the you've been out. Top would have been able to go out there and attract the level of player that they have and, and as we were, you you mentioned Sam Lucky as well. Um, just a, a, he is he could be the, the kind of rough diamond. I saw him playing for Newcastle a couple of times. Um, and he just reminded me a bit of Alex Wormsley. He's got that sort of not just in the fact that he's got a massive beard. <laughs> he's uh, a <laughs> He's a big presence. Uh, he can play a bit of, uh, in this whole this whole middles and edges thing that seems to be the kind of modern day parlance. He can play he play thirteen and do your battery man stuff there, or he'll play up front in, in either eight or ten. So, yeah, he's he could be the one that comes through this year that people go, wow, you know, it's like we've already got one sort of Godzilla style prop forward in in the shape of. Um, Alex Wormsley, Sam Lucky might give him a run for his money, and uh, and he and actually he talking to him, and I, and I know you have spoken to him as well with your with the podcast. Uh, he was really giving up big raps to people like Lee Mossop and and Hihipo and Ryan Lennon, just sort of saying that you know these are guys who um, are setting the tone and, and showing him the way to go in terms of training. So yeah, lo- lots lots to be um, really. Uh, kind of enthused and, and excited about going into the season I think for Salford
0: yeah definitely I mean just speaking today it, it does seem really exciting I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I've just been thinking myself what am I going to predict and I thought well I can't really because it, it does seem that close to me I, I, I try I try to do a prediction every season of a, of a league table but this, this time round I've, I've just not got a clue I really haven't if someone said to me tomorrow where do you think Salford are going to finish I have no idea I'm expecting a good season but just with, as you mentioned there just be uh, I won't keep you too much longer Matt but we just mentioned the championship no, I think the championship looks Looks fantastic. We mentioned Chris Wellham has gone to Featherstone Rovers. I've been looking at Featherstone's squad over the last couple of days and they've made some fantastic signings for this, for this championship and I think they're going to have a real go-up promotion. How mouth-watering does that league look? I mean, it's going to be a cracking championship. Yeah, yeah and again, a bit like
1: Super League. Um, I don't know whether it's because uh, the flow of players down the, the chain has grown so if if you don't make it in Super League now, there's a viable option to go into the Championship. That you know you're not having to give up the game and go amateur anymore. There's there is the opportunity to stay kind of semi-pro maybe get a job uh, but still play at a really high level so I think that filter down of players from the Super League into the Championship is really high and you look across the border and pretty much everyone has made it again everyone has made a sign in the you go yeah he's all right or I know about him or he's pretty decent and yeah there's obviously going to be a disparity you know you've got someone like Featherston who really invested heavily they, they really want a, they really want promotion uh, likewise Calou's have got have picked up some real class, haven't they? In terms of in, in, a lot of imports as well, not just French players, players who, who've come over to uh, to lose from from this part of the world. So Andrew Dixon, Mitch Garber, who was uh, at Hull KR last season, uh, Don Perri, I mentioned before, you know, really uh, versatile player. So like ev- everyone in that league, has got somebody you'd you'd sort of say, yeah, that's a decent signing. So you've got everyone from the sort of. Uh, witness who probably, probably are prepared for Super League, although they'd love to be there. I think they they probably want to try and get a bit of stability and build, but they still made some decent signs. York have really pushed the boat out, haven't they? The likes of Danny Kerman, Ryan Atkins, Ben Jones Bishop, who last year was as, as good a winger as you'd find in, in Super League. Uh, you know, when he was fit, he was, you know, bang on it. He scored some terrific tries, length of the field still great dives in that corner. Um, you've got Time Nikau, who's Tawera cows Son, who's joined, joined them as well, so uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's class throughout that whole league. Um, it's probably a little bit easier to sort of come up with a sort of uh, who you think might finish top in that one, just purely, I think, because of the resources available to certain clubs. But you no, know, even um, yeah, even Newcastle Thunder, the new boys in that division have gone out and signed. Some quality players Callan Turner from Cass I saw his debut away at Hull and, and he looked to be a prospect because he's never quite get into the first team picture and Jake Sharks who's played plenty of uh, first grade at Wigan the Chapo have brothers from witness they're uh, two big front rowers you know towering fellas so yeah like you say um, you look at that division at Halifax um, Gavin Spring has come in Dan Murray from Hull KR who's uh, obviously been at Salford as well Greg Worthington and they recently signed nick Rawsthorne as well haven't they? From, uh, after his release by hall kr so yeah so many sides in that division look good but i have to admit my uh if i did sort of put put my money where my mouth was i'd be looking uh probably uh depending on the travel factor if it's if travel becomes no factor i put to lose in there i definitely think they're going to be in there I, thought I saw a couple of highlights from their weekend Friendly and they look devastating. Uh, Farmau Brown, I mean, he's he's too good for that league, isn't he? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then you know, look at teams like Bradford as well. Uh, there's Danny Bruff. He's always a pleasure to watch, whatever league they're in. So the old Keir and uh, John Keir and Danny Bruff combination returns in the Championship. But yeah, I think whatever happens in that league, it's definitely going to be worth watching. Uh, and I know loads of the games are going to be on our league so I think it'll be one of those where if if you've got nothing going on a Sunday afternoon there's definitely going to be some entertainment for you
0: there certainly is I mean I think I'm with you there I think Featherstone Rovers Toulouse Olympic were my two sides I think York City Knights could be like you say yeah, a, yeah, dar- a dark yeah. horse yeah. definitely London Broncos are always difficult to beat but I'm glad you touched on that I was, I've just got my notes about Bradford and, and, and Swinton as well two players who, who I've got a lot of time for Danny Bruff, who's at Bradford and Martin Ridyard who I believe had a fantastic game for Swinton yeah. at the weekend in yeah. their friendly so it, it seems like the, the sides have all got that experience and, and people who can guide them around the pitch it's going to be a fascinating league that really going to be a fascinating league, and, and Newcastle Thunder as well. I think are quite an ambitious, um, ambitious club, sorry, and they want to do really well. So it, it's mouthwatering now. You really have got me uh, excited for the uh, for the season to start. <laughs> and, what, yeah. and one other thing we, we we need to mention, of course, and it's probably as big as anything, is, is the Rugby League World Cup. I mean, that's going to be coming up at the end of uh, at the end of the season. I mean, hopefully there's no pitches with, with COVID or anything like that, and it, and we get to see it because that that's going to be absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like you said, totally permitting. A home World Cup, the venues, I think the choice, the selection of the the host venues, I've seen some criticism saying that yeah, there's too much of it's in the north. But I think you have to play to your strengths. And if it's a World Cup, uh, and you know, if you live in the Midlands, you're not a million miles away from the places like from like a Doncaster or, a, or a Sheffield or, or Leeds or... Yeah, you know, if you live in the northeast, you've got games at Newcastle. Um, yeah, maybe if you live in the south, but it's still there are still going to be games which are reachable. Coventry, there's a big games, some big games at Coventry. I think the selection of the, the venues is good in terms of the ambition. They're not they're not too small. They've not gone overly big for, for some of the games, but at the same time, it's, they've picked like decent stadium. So, Ellen Road, Hull... Um, Old Trafford of course for the final the Emirates semi-final I even bought tickets for that just in case I wasn't going to be working so yeah I think the, the choice of venues is good St James's Park for the opening ceremony will be special England against Samoa uh, and again this is a chance to see some of the best players in the world and we're not just talking these days about the Kangaroos are we we're not just talking about New Zealand either Tonga, if Tonga are strong that's going to be a massive boost I saw quite a few players uh, I think it was Mighty um, Topalby and one of them who was saying that we want a big big up Samoa for this tournament and so I think there's the same kind of enthusiasm from the Pacific Islanders who might normally have said well I'll go and play for the Kangaroos or I'll go and play for New Zealand the, the appetite there is is there now to say no let's go and play for the place where our real heritage is and supporting those Pacific Island nations and so you know, seeing a Sipitao against a siver towel and should sort of Samoa and Tonga go off I was lucky enough to go to Pacific Test in Sydney a couple of years ago and uh, it wasn't quite up there I don't think with England against Tonga in Auckland but uh, the atmosphere was sensational and if we can you know, obviously travel, if travel restrictions allow it um, if we can get some of those fans coming over, singing those hymns in the stands, bringing that colour, bringing that excitement and that vibrancy yeah, the World Cup's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I I, I know the, the Kangaroos have had a bit of a rocky road to Australia over the last couple of years, and they're certainly not the kind of all-conquering force that they were uh, previously, perhaps. But, uh, you know, they're still going to have some class players, aren't they? Yeah, like, all right, to be honest, Cameron Munster uh, at the ground in England, just running around, bit of a maverick, doing... Ridiculous passes and showing real class and skill. That'll oh, mean me. Um, and and if England can come out on the winning side as well with a little bit of a biased hat on, then even better. But just seeing some of these players, it's going to be a treat to, for people in this country who, you know, some might watch NRL, some might not, but they're going to see next some next level rugby. And, and 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 I shouldn't forget as well the women's and the wheelchair because both of those. I actually saw the clip the other day that. the from the wheelchair World Cup they are tough (laughs) and skillful lads and lasses and it's yeah the whole package the women's the men's the wheelchair all in this country hopefully this autumn yeah like you say (laughs) Super League if you're not excited about Super League you, you can get excited about that as well there's much to be enthusiastic
0: about. Yeah there certainly is I think you, you mentioned before about green shoots and things like that and looking forward to lighter nights and things like that because it has been a, a tough yeah, yeah, few months yeah. for a lot of people but just speaking to you and, and listening to your enthusiasm over the last sort of hour or so I think it's got me ready now for for the season I really am Matt and uh, I know just chatting to you I think you mentioned there about the NRL and people being connoisseurs of it I think you are from your knowledge and what you said today you'll be looking forward to that that, that, <laughs> that kicks off this weekend and um, a lot of supporters watch it on the on the television now. You know, get up early doors, sort of Thursday morning, Friday morning. You're looking forward to that this weekend.
1: I am, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those where, depending on what shift I'm on, uh, it's, it's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and especially the Saturday morning. Some of the Saturday morning ones aren't fun uh, getting up for. But yeah, I mean, the beauty of um, uh, recording, yeah, it means you can you can catch up with some of them at a later date. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely the. The matches tomorrow uh, on Thursday morning, Friday, across the weekend. Um, you know, and there's so much English interest there now, isn't there? I know Canberra's become a, a little bit of a hotbed, but uh, Dominic Young and um, Bailey Hudson at Newcastle Knights, and Herbie Farnsworth at Brisbane. There's, you know, there are some good English players knocking around. Um, my allegiance uh, is with the trikillers I'm afraid, so that makes me very unpopular with most people. Not not everyone likes the Roosters, do they? So. Uh, yeah there we
0: go <laughs> and it's the South audience fault that I follow them so it's <laughs> an old Adrian Morley so oh, his fault there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all well listen Matt thank you very much on behalf of all our listeners on the podcast for, for taking part in uh, in speaking to us for this preview it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you hopefully I'll get to see you in uh, various press rooms around the ground this season but you keep safe mate and uh, enjoy the season thank you very much great great to be on and hope
1: South but have a great season